This is Invest Like a Honeybee, the podcast where you learn to be smart with your money and invest wisely. Before we get started, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I'm not an investment advisor. Please make sure you discuss any changes to your portfolio with your registered advisors. I may continue to hold stocks I discuss in this podcast or not, depending on when you listen to this podcast. This is about Invest Like a Honeybee. I'm Henry J. Speck. Let's get started. So what a surprise. I was working with uh, a marketing expert on our book, What Grandpa Learned from the Honeybees. And he said to me, he said, how do you know any of this bee stuff works? Like, how do you know? He said, what's happened in your life since you followed the rules? So as we were working together, we started looking back at net worth three years prior. That's kind of when we started following the 10 rules of the honeybee. And it turns out net worth was up 300%. It's crazy because it's not something you think about. It's not something you do on purpose. You just sort of do the thing. You just, you just, you just invest and you focus. And so when we looked at that, we started thinking, well, maybe people need to understand that. Now, here's the problem. It's really difficult even to talk about it today. I don't like talking about it. I don't know what that's about. I, I think a lot of it is just the way we are in Canada. We don't talk about stuff like that. And as humans, we pretty much talk about everything else but money. And, and I experience it too. And so this is a challenge, just, just doing this podcast today. But I thought I would... I would do it and get it out there and just to tell you what happened. And I'm going to use a couple examples. There's one, if you go to investlikeahoneybee.com, you'll see a video of our, our upcoming purchase, supposed to close this week, of a, a property that is 95 acres. And we're going to leave 90 acres as an ecosystem restoration project. And we're going to use the other five, put a couple of, of um, low footprint homes on it. We don't know if it'll be a... You know, there'll be small lots, two small lots, and leave the 90 acres, or if the two lots will be a, a lease kind of situation where they lease the land and they have the um, lower footprint home to enjoy, and, and that way the 90 acres stay preserved and, and it still becomes an investment uh, for what we do. So in looking at that, looking at some other deals, it became apparent that the significant obvious part of what's happened is the real estate and looking at, you know, how do you assess value? And, and when I looked at the rules uh, that the honeybees use and I tried to understand which rules was because because when you do this for a while, it just becomes sort of automatic. It just becomes a way of doing things. And the first had to do with assessing value and focus. And so when assessing value, being able to understand what I think something's worth versus what the asking price may be. And that's whether you're buying or selling. And I think you need to, at least I need to continue to practice that to get a sense of what that means. Um, The price really does not mean, has nothing to do with value. The price is what someone wants to be paid for whatever asset you're buying. But that may or may not be uh, close to what it's worth, in your opinion. And that's why you need to sort of fine-tune your own sense. And we talk about it in the book, How to Assess Value. I think I used the example of a pair of boots. Um, And then we move into real estate and talk about how you can assess value in real estate. So I looked at value and then I looked at probability because it seems like over the past three years what's happening to me is I automatically start looking at the probability 
that this is a, whatever's in front of me is going to go to zero and I'm going to lose all my money. And then the second question is, what's the probability of it making some? And so there's, there's sort of two equations now I work on. And the first always is the probability of loss. What's the likelihood I'm going to lose? Now, I heard today that in Las Vegas, if you've ever played the roulette wheel or roulette wheel, whatever it's called, you know if you just went on black or red, you'd win or lose 50% of the time if it wasn't for the zero and the double zero, which I believe are green. Well, the places in Vegas figured out if they could add another variable, which is a triple zero green, that would give you an increased likelihood of losing. And the fact is they're more likely to win. So the probability of winning, or at least breaking even, has dropped significantly in, uh, in most gambling establishments in Nevada. So the probability, you know, and they were talking about that in the news today. It was actually part of the business channel's discussion. But then they followed up by having someone tell you what stocks to buy. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't you throw out the probability of this losing or, or it going to zero? Uh, we saw today that the Theranos genius is going to prison today for 11 years, and she was the one who was touted as the next incredible entrepreneur and CEO and visionary and was interviewed all over, and no one did any due diligence or listened to the odd person who said, this doesn't seem to be working. There is no little box that you can drop a piece of blood in and it spits out a report. It doesn't exist yet. But she had already had contracts with even major, I think it was Walgreens, one of the major drugstores in America, to do this, even though the thing wasn't working. No one, there, was no, there was no validity test. Talk about a Ponzi scheme or talk about a fraud. And she only got 11 years. People lost billions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. And, of course, little investors lost as well. So when you look at this entire idea of what 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 are the 10 lessons of those 10 which which impacted what we did so we have value we have probability a big one is little bits become big bits this is always in my mind when i look at something how can i take whatever's in front of me and add something or fine tune or tweak it so that it is becomes a big bit someday and that's exactly what honeybees do with honey they collect a little bit of nectar turn that into honey but tens of thousands of bees doing that creates an incredible amount of honey. So little bits, bits become big bits. I looked at the environmental aspect, and certainly that's had a big impact from solar to the ecosystem projects we talk about where we take a piece of land and turn it back to nature but keep a little piece to add something of value to it for the business model, which could be a small lot, a tiny home, or even a low-footprint home. So so there's, a, there's those opportunities. Um... I think probably the major one was value, where I've learned to take a property and, and in many cases, divide it in many ways uh, to make it um, more valuable, but also to see that people get worn down. You know, when you see properties that were for sale for three, four years on the East Coast, as we did, um, they're more amenable to negotiate price. And also... Um, properties that weren't, weren't even for sale. We purchased some that weren't even for sale, some land tracks that we now are, are turning into beautiful oceanside lots. So that was a big part of that change over the past three years. Value, uh, working and honing the skills to increase value. Um, little bits become big bits. Probabilities, extremely important. Environmental accidents, 
you know, things that are working that are helpful for the environment, but they're secondary to the business model, but certainly extremely important. Um, the, the final little piece comes from uh, a lesson on what to do. You know, we talk in the book about how bees handle wasps and how bees will take uh, a wasp. And uh, if a wasp comes in a scout to see how strong the hive is, the guards will basically drag the wasp out. They may give it a little sting or two, but they want the wasp to go back to its home and tell everyone else, don't mess with that hive because they're tough. So how does that translate? Well, a couple, probably two and a half years ago, we had agreed to purchase and the seller agreed to sell it to us. And it was it was somewhat of a complicated um, situation where they had to settle an estate. We understood that and we kept plugging along. And probably about a year and a half later, they tried to back out of the deal. And of course we said no. And then about two years later, we noticed two years from the time we had agreed to purchase, they had agreed to sell, that they were trying to list it for sale again. And so in keeping with the lesson of the hive, we sent a strong letter from our lawyer saying, if you should choose to do this, this is what we will do as far as breach of contract and litigation, and fairly strong words. And that was everybody from the seller to the agent to anybody involved. Um, then um, they stalled, so that they said no, they finally agreed that they had an agreement. And then probably two weeks ago, I get a release from the agent saying we waited too long and they wanted uh, me to sign something to get out of the deal. So we sent them another very strong letter and in un no uncertain terms, they knew that it was going to be a serious issue for them should they choose to not uh, proceed with the sale. And sure enough, in a couple of days, we're closing that deal. I'll tell you more about it once it's closed. The point of all that is I, I did think through this, this experience very much like the honeybees. So, you know, previously I might have been much more aggressive, but this time it made sense to send a message that this isn't okay, this isn't going to happen, not just to the seller because it's probably a one-time thing, but to the agent and to the legal groups that were involved so that they understood that just like the honeybee who dispatches a wasp to tell everyone back in their little home to stay away from a hive, the um, other side in this uh, simple dispute should do the same. So that was very... Uh, important, I think, to be able to, and I think that the key, which is all of the 10 lessons from the hive, is they're done in an unemotional way. It's, it's sort of like the way the bees do things. When there's certain data or certain things that happen, they act. There isn't a lot of emotion. They just go. They do. And I think that's what probably helped me the most with the, with, with the idea of uh, using those uh, 10 lessons from the hive and invest like a honeybee. So I'll leave that to you. Remember now we, you can go to our site, investlikeahoneybee.com, and there's more information there. There's an example of the um, 95 acres. We're also on Facebook if you want to have a look to, to see what we're doing. We're just sort of working through um, getting the word out for financial literacy. Because literacy. really do believe, I really do believe that the honeybees have a great deal to teach us when it comes to that as well. So you have an amazing month. We'll talk to you again next time. To learn more about how honeybees can help you in your investing and personal life, 
go to investlikeahoneybee.com. There you'll learn how listening to the honeybees helped us in so many ways and can help you. investlikeahoneybee.com.